As you have a seat this morning, I invite you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 4. Uh, now, if you were here last week, I should say turn back in your Bible to John chapter 4. Uh, last week, we began looking at the scripture. And uh, last week, we did something different than we're going to be doing this week. Last week, we looked at uh, the actions of the dad. Last week, we celebrated Father's Day by thinking a little bit about a father. Uh, and so today, we are, instead of focusing on the man, we're going to be focusing on Jesus. And so I invite you to open to John chapter 4. I know that we have guests here today, and if you're a guest, we welcome you. And I always like to say to our guests that if you need a copy of the Bible, we would love to give you one. I know that so many people have it on their phones and their tablets, which is awesome. But if you want a printed copy of the scripture because you don't have one, I'd love to give you a copy at the end of the service. Let's connect together and uh, let me make sure that you leave with a copy of the scripture. In John chapter 4 this morning, we're going to pick up in verses 46 and uh, read through the end of the chapter. It says, so he came again to Cana in Galilee. Uh, he is Jesus. So Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all of his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So the very quick version from last week, if you weren't here last week, I'll summarize it for you. If you want to be a guy whose faith impacts the world around you, if you want to be a lady whose faith impacts the world around you, then you need to spend your life running into the presence of Christ, interceding for others, trusting the Lord as he speaks to us, and obeying what it is that God calls us to do. That is the summary of what we looked at last week. And this morning, we want to pivot and ask the question, okay, what does the scripture teach us about who Jesus is? When you leave here today, and you go do whatever you're going to go do, and somebody walks up to you, and, and if they were to say to you, hey, aren't Aren't you a Christian? Didn't I see you at the fellowship the other day? And you get all excited and say, well, yes, that's my home church. I am a Christian. And they say, tell me about God. What's God like? What would you say? Would you have an answer? That's a tough question, isn't it? For some of us, it's tough because all of these stories of faithfulness would be swirling around in our brain and we'd be trying to figure out which one to pull out and began to talk to people about the faithfulness of the Lord and we would have all of these attributes and characteristics and essences of who God is that we'd be trying to edit ourselves to figure out where do I start? 
Some of us would still have a hard time, not for that reason, but we might, some of us have a hard time because we might think to ourselves, well, I don't really know. I've never really thought about the character of who God is. If somebody says, explain my spouse, I can do that. If somebody says, explain my neighbor, I can do that. If somebody says, explain my friend, I can do that. But if somebody says, tell me about the Lord, that might be tough for you. This morning, I hope that by the time you walk out of this room, you'll, you'll be able to do that a little bit easier. I want for us to look at this text that we looked at last week. And instead of saying, tell us about this man who let his light shine. I want this week for us to say, what does this scripture teach us about the character, about the nature about the essence of who Jesus is. And if you have your notes, you see that we're going to say three main things about the character of Jesus. And then we're going to start asking ourselves some questions. And then we're going to conclude with some points of application. If you're making notes this morning, uh, point number one, if we ask the question, who is Jesus in this text? Jesus is the Lord who is near. And, And I want to expound on that a little bit because I want you to be encouraged by this I want you to celebrate this this morning. This is truly a fundamental part of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That our God doesn't just sit in heaven watching everything that happens. Our God comes near to us. And in fact, we could take this one point that you just wrote down in your notes. And we could spend the entire message today expounding upon this one point. You could go to Genesis And you could point into the scripture where in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, God would come and be with them. God would come and spend time in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, ministering and loving and fellowshipping and communing. God came near. There are times in the Bible where God would send prophets would say, I want you to take my word and I want you to deliver it to my people because I love my people, because I'm faithful to my people, because I want my people to understand what I think and what I feel about where they're at in life. Go and deliver my word to people. There are times in the Old Testament when the Israelites were wandering through the desert, through the wilderness, and the Lord would travel with them. The Lord would tabernacle with them. The Lord would camp with them. The Lord's presence would be amongst them. God is a God who is passionate about being near to his people. We have the incarnation. We call it Christmas time where we celebrate God taking on human flesh and coming to earth and being near his creation, his people, his human beings and living among us and healing us and teaching us and helping us and loving us. We could go all the way to Revelation. We could have somebody come up this morning and read Revelation 21 and Revelation 22. And we can understand that the vision of the Apostle John of the end times is that once again God longs To dwell near and with his people. So when we read this verse 
And it says that Jesus came back to the town that he had already previously visited. I understand that we kind of just blow right past that and get to the miracle stuff, right? The healing of somebody who was almost in death stuff. But that is significant. And it is a biblical theme from the front to the back of the Bible that the Lord desires to be near his creation. However, there's a very natural question that you, and in fact, you may be thinking this question right now, but I don't always feel near to God. That's fair. You may be listening to me going, my heart wants to celebrate, but my real life experience says, I don't always feel near to God. I don't always feel like God is close to me, and I don't always feel like I'm close to God. What's up with that, Pastor Zach? I want to explain a little bit of that to you, and and to do that, I want to illustrate it. The next time you go flying down 495, and you go screaming under one of those bridges, And one of those amazing SUVs that are like light gray and blue, just sitting there waiting to greet you. And you're having such a good time flying under that bridge that they want to join you. And they feel as though it's a party, so they turn their party lights on, right? And you pull over and you say, oh, officer, I'm so sorry. I didn't see you there. I didn't notice that you were there, right? It doesn't mean that he wasn't there or that she wasn't there. You may not have felt the presence of the officer or the patrolman or the patrolwoman, but the patrol person was there. What does that mean? It means you don't always accurately perceive what's true. I remember, I think as a five-year-old, I may have been at seven, but my mom and dad had some friends over and they cooked this amazing meal and I wanted to be helpful. So I decided I was going to take all the plates. So I take all of these and we had at that time the, the plates that you use like every five years, like the China stuff, right, that you're not allowed to touch. You're not allowed if you're a kid even to look at it. Don't look at that, all right? We use that. That's how I knew it was a big deal. We use these fancy plates. And so dinner was over. And I said, I am going to clear the table. I start taking these plates. I start stacking them. Stack them. Stack them. And I'm here, right? And it's getting higher and higher. And I'm watching my my mom's eyes. And I'm 42 now. I know exactly what was going on at the time. I didn't know what this expression meant. But she could just see dollar signs, right? Oh my gosh, if he drops them. And I start walking. And it looked like something off the cartoons. Like where you're going this way, you're going that way. And and no kidding, I finally got all wobbled. And I'm about to drop these expensive china plates. And my mom steps in from nowhere and saves the day. Like this arm just comes flying from behind me and just goes. I was like, I didn't know you were there. She said, I'm always here. And I thought, I'll remember this for the rest of my life. Think about that for a second. There are times in our life where we may not feel the nearness of God. But our feelings sometimes trick us. Our feelings sometimes betray us. 
Feeling that God is near and God being near are not the same thing. Just like on the highway, you may not feel like there's an officer of the law near and they may be right around the corner. For me, I didn't know my mom was right behind me because my mom knew what was about to happen. But she was there. I say to you, the Christian perspective of the nearness of God isn't dependent on how you feel that day. It is consistent. And I encourage you with that. That's part of the gospel is that our God comes near. And I know if you grew up in the church, this may be like the most captain obvious point that I could throw out to you this morning. But you have to understand that at this time, the Christian faith was being contrasted with Greek and Roman mythology and other gods. And those gods never came near, partly because they don't exist. But the stories of the Greek and Roman gods were that these gods lived up on top of this mountain and they just stayed up there and created havoc for each other. And the last thing that you would want would be for a god to come down that mountain and interact with human beings. It is the exact opposite in the Christian faith. The nearer God gets to people, the more whole we become. The more peace we have. It isn't that as though when God comes near, there's more chaos and there's more brokenness. No. When Jesus came near, people were healed. People were set free. People were reconciled. This first point that Jesus is the Lord who is near is a point worth celebrating for all eternity. Because it is a biblical idea from Genesis to Revelation. Second point this morning as we're asking the question, what do we know about Jesus? Is that Jesus is the Lord of truth. And I want to take some time to develop this. Because as I shared with uh, the congregation in the first service, I'm kind of at a bittersweet uh, emotional response to the second point. And I think it's because I've grown up in this culture and this generation and, and you know, I've grown up the way that I've grown up and I've always felt like if you have something important and strong to say, you need to deliver it in such a careful and gracious and non-abrasive way and then I read the Gospels and I watch Jesus interact with other people and I walk away going, honestly, I walk away going, If I ran into Jesus on the street, would I be offended by him? Because he says like this guy, right, that we just read in the scripture, this guy shows up. He hears that Jesus has showed back up in town. So he goes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, my son is on his deathbed. Can you come and heal him? And Jesus responds with, well, unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. And the guy persists. He says, no, Jesus, sir, please come now or my son is going to die. And Jesus says, listen, you can go. Your son is going to live. And even though I love Jesus, he is my Lord and my Savior. I have to pause and admit that I grew up in a culture and a society that would have struggled with hearing Jesus speak to me the way that he spoke to people In the Gospels. But he is a Lord of truth. And he is so committed to my spiritual well-being. 
that insofar as I need to be offended for the Lord's perspective to ring true in my life, Jesus is okay with me being offended. He consistently communicates to me where I'm at with he and I. And it isn't as though like this is the only place. Uh, There was a time where Jesus is hanging around religious people. In the Bible, they're called Pharisees. And he calls them. He says to them, you brood of vipers. Now, that's probably not a phrase that you use very often. That means you bunch of snakes. He says to these religious people, these Pharisees, he says, you're a bunch of snakes, you guys. And I think to myself, I would be offended. In fact, even in John chapter 4, that's where you're turned to this morning. If you go before what we're looking at this morning, you see that Jesus interacts with a lady in public. She's at the well. Jesus is at the well. And he begins to talk to her. And in the course of conversation, as Jesus is talking to this lady, uh, he says to her, hey, why don't you go back and grab your husband and bring him? And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, well, right, you've had five of them. And the guy you're living with right now, you're not even married to. Can you just feel the tension (laughs) at the well that day? And what's Jesus trying to do? He's trying to demonstrate to her that he knows where she is as far as living life under the authority of the scripture. But still he says it like so straightforward. And so when we look at this, and we look at Jesus speaking truth to people. And, and the text that we're looking at, he's just saying to them, listen, you want me to perform all these miracles or you refuse to believe in me. I'm not just dancing and performing for your good pleasure. The way that he spoke to people was so forward. I just wonder if God were to speak clearly and forwardly to you today, would you get offended Or would you listen to the voice of God? I know that for me, I have to be checked in this area. I have to make sure that when the scripture is speaking right at me, that I take a step back and I say, this is the word of God. I don't want to be offended by it. I want to be healed by it. I want to grow through it. I want to be transformed by it. But when we write that little note down, point two, that Jesus is the Lord of truth, we have no idea what we're talking about at that point, right? Because the way that he delivers truth could be offensive and upsetting to many of us, but he is committed to you for you to know where the Lord stands with you and where you stand with the Lord. So we may get offended by what the Lord would say to us. And Jesus would say, that's okay. I love you. You may be offended, but I want you to know what is true. And so that's, that's uh, maybe I just pushed pause on the whole message and I just uh, shared from my own personal experience. But as I read through the gospels, Jesus speaks strongly to people. And I think that in a day and age where we're so careful to do that, we have to remember, because Jesus teaches us, that we can have compassion 
and we can have mercy and we can have grace and we can carefully speak a hard truth into the life of other people because Jesus does it over and over and over. Now, let me give this disclaimer and we'll move on. This doesn't give you permission to go anger a bunch of people. Uh, Some of you are thinking to yourself, this is all I needed. I'm about to let loose. (laughs) No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if we want to hear from the Lord, sometimes it it may feel offensive to us. But we need to process that so that we can come out healthy on the other end. Just exactly like we see it happen. Uh, in the scripture that is before us. So number one, the Lord is a Lord who is near. Secondly, the Lord is a Lord who is truthful. And thirdly, the Lord Jesus is the Lord of authority and power. And this is probably the one that you're most familiar with. You know that Jesus calmed the storms. You know that Jesus healed the sick. You know that Jesus cast out the demons. You know that Jesus did all of these things. So what I want to do is just give you a couple of thoughts here before we move on. Number one, if you're making notes, would you write down the word verbally? I think this is important that we pass over sometimes. It isn't as though it was difficult for Jesus to do. Jesus just spoke it and it happened. Jesus would command a demon to exit a person, and the demon exited a person. Here, Jesus wasn't even in general proximity to the person who was sick. He just said to the dad, go, your son will live, and the son recovered. And so if you're making notes and you write down that word verbally, I want you to remember the significance of that is that Jesus speaks with authority and power. It isn't as though Jesus is sweating and exhausted and tired after he heals somebody. It isn't as though his muscles are tired. No, it is that Jesus carries with him the authority and power of God himself because he is God himself. And so where do we see that? In healing. Where do we see that? In casting out demons. Where do we see that? In the forgiveness of sin. He looks right at a, a paralyzed man uh, in, in the Gospel of Mark, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And the, the people kind of grumble and say, well, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus says, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And he speaks that. He not only forgives sin, he cleanses us from sin. You know, there's a difference between being forgiven and cleansed. Jesus does both. Paul writes in the book of Colossians that it isn't just that Jesus heals, casts out demons, forgives sin, and cleanses from sin. Paul says in the book of Colossians that it is through Jesus that all of creation occurred. Jesus was present in Genesis 1. And so the point that I'm making to you is when we ask the question, if somebody said, tell me about Jesus, what would we say? And I want to give you three this morning that I just gave you that I feel like is so helpful for us to have a high view of Jesus, a high view of who Christ is. Jesus uh, is the one with authority and power. Jesus is the carrier of truth. Jesus is God near to us. That's a high view. 
of, of, of who Jesus is. And so the question that we can ask ourselves this morning as we move from what the Bible says about who Jesus is to the secondary question, how do, what do I ask myself? The question that we can ask ourselves is, does my life demonstrate this high view of Jesus? In other words, it can say it in the scripture. We can look at it, right, in John chapter 4. We can see it in other places in the scripture. But the question for me is, if you run into me at the grocery store or at the restaurant, if you spend two hours with me on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, like if you just look into my life, does my life demonstrate this high view of who Jesus is? And I wrote that in a couple of different ways, but the main point is, does my life demonstrate this high view of Jesus? Does my conversation demonstrate this high view of Jesus? Does my thoughts demonstrate a high view of Jesus? Do my affections, my longings, and my desires demonstrate a high view of Jesus? Do my ups and do my downs Demonstrate a high view of Jesus. When life is good, can people look at me and see that I have a high view of Jesus? When I'm struggling, can people look at me and say, there's a person who has a high view of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is God who is near and the one that carries truth and the one of all authority and power. And for many of you here, the answer is yes. My life demonstrates a high view of Jesus. And we celebrate that if that's where you're at. And if, and if you can back up this morning and go honestly, objectively looking at my life, my life demonstrates that these things are true. We celebrate your faith. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, no. Not in every area. Some of you may say not in any area. Some of you may say not in every area. So what if the answer to the question is no? How do we deal with that? Because the last thing that I would want to do would it be encouraging about this high view of Jesus where he's near to us all of the time. He's going to deliver truth into our life even if we might struggle with it. And he is the Lord of authority and power. And we all get excited about that. And then I say, does your life demonstrate that? And you go, well, not really. But then you don't know how to move forward. That would be discouraging. I don't want you to be discouraged this morning. So if you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, not always does my life demonstrate this high view of Christ then I want to close today with four words that I think will help you. Four actions that I think will help you. And the first word, if you're making notes this morning, the word is request. This is the part of this message where I tell you that you need to go before God himself. You need to go before God Almighty and you need to say, Lord, I know that the Jesus that the scripture points to, my life isn't demonstrating that that's who Christ is. And I need you to transform me. I need you to change my heart. 
I need you to change my thinking. I need you to change. I have no idea, Lord, what you need to change. But I am boldly and courageously coming before you, God Almighty, and saying, I am requesting divine intervention. I want you to transform me so that my life demonstrates a high view of Jesus. Request. The second word is reflect. If in your life you're not too sure that your life demonstrates a high view of Jesus, then I want to encourage you to reflect and ask yourself, what in my life is shrinking my view of Jesus? Where in my life is my view of Jesus shrinking and getting smaller and smaller and smaller until eventually we get to the point where we will admit he was a historical figure that some people wear around their neck and that's about it. Now where, students, is it, is it the influence of your friends that shrinks your view of Jesus? Maybe it's your co-workers and the time that you spend together with your co-workers and the relentless way that they encourage you away from your faith if that's who they are. The question is, if your life doesn't shine as bright as it should for Christ, why? Reflecting on why could be a healthy thing for you. It could help you set some some boundaries, some parameters, some limitations on the way that you do things in your life to guard your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you say, I don't know that my life always demonstrates this high view of Jesus, then the first thing that we can do is go to Christ in prayer. We can request divine intervention. We can reflect on our life. The third thing that we can do, we can look back at Scripture and understand the things that Scripture teaches us about who Jesus is. This is the word, if you're making it in a word, if you're writing it in a word, would you write down the word review? I can review the Gospels. I can go back to the Gospels over and over and over again, and I can pour through the Gospels because every week, that you read through one of the Gospels is a week where you and I are being confronted with a high view of who Jesus is. And so this morning, if, if you're struggling with your life demonstrating a high view of who God is, then you can go back to the Gospels. And you can be assured of this, that every day that you spend reading the Gospels is a day that you will be reviewing the true character nature, essence, and attributes of who Jesus really is. And the fourth word is renew. If you're a follower of Christ this morning and you're listening to this message and you're thinking to yourself, I don't know that lately my life has been demonstrating a high view of Jesus. You go through all of these steps and you get to that point where you just simply renew your commitment to living out a biblical faith. You know, there's over 200 people in here this morning. And each one of us could pop up from where we're sitting and give an opinion on who they view Jesus to be. And they're all important because they're yours. 
and I love you, and I care about what you think, and I could give mine, and you would care what I thought because you love me and you're interested, uh, I hope, in what I think. Uh, we could go outside and stop cars on the road and say, tell me what you think about Jesus. And everybody has an opinion. We all have an opinion about who Jesus is. And in a sense, that's good and fine. But in a sense, what really matters? What matters, if you want a biblical faith, is what the Bible says about Jesus. And I just want to say to you with my whole heart, just bearing my heart to you this morning, that to the extent that we can say, I'm going to latch on to the attributes and to the characteristics of Jesus that the Bible teaches me, to the extent that you can do that is to the extent that you will be more and more and more spiritually healthy. Everybody has a thought on who Jesus is, no doubt. But the key to your spiritual growth is to get in the scripture, renew your commitment to a biblical faith. Because it is in the scripture that we discover who Jesus truly is. And so this morning, we've just seen three characteristics. I'll summarize them and then we'll close our time together. Jesus is the Lord who is near. And to that we say, hallelujah. Jesus is the Lord of truth. And to that we almost say, ouch. <laughs> because he speaks so true to our lives. And we say, oh Lord, give me the ability to hear that hard truth when I need to hear it. Jesus is the Lord of authority and power and has been since Genesis. Does my life demonstrate that high view of Jesus? If the answer is no, I have my action points this morning. Oh Lord, would you transform me? Would you transform me to have that high view? I wanna look at my life and say, why? What's holding me back? I wanna jump back into the scripture and I wanna commit to letting the scripture shape my view of Jesus. Father, as we close our time this morning together, I pray for my brothers and my sisters who are in this room this morning right now. I pray for those who are online with us, worshiping with us online, that this would not just be a message of information, but that you would take it and you would use it for transformation. Lord, we want to live our life in such a way that truly demonstrates to others your great name, your glory, your power, your majesty, the hope that we have in you, the trust that we have in you. We want to let our light shine. And Lord, this morning as we reflect on our own life, if we do that and come to the conclusion that we need to do that a little bit better this week, we thank you for the grace to give us one more chance, one more shot, one more week to live for you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your nearness this morning. We love you. and We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.